So, uh, how are things going over there in Colorado today? Um, I mean, they're okay, I guess, man. I, they're probably better than they are in other places, like California and New York. <laughs> yeah, could be worse. But, yeah, but, um, but people are really scared, and I, I just hate it. I just hate seeing people that I respect being really scared. And, uh, like, just walking around. Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds messed up. Every time I see a group of people in masks, it's just like, you you guys are just scared. Like, it's just a symbol of how scared you are. Everyone. Yeah. So, how about you? Uh, things have been okay down here. Uh, you're, you're in Texas, right? What's that? You're in Texas? You? I was for a little bit. I had okay. uh, thought I was going to be moving up to Dallas, and then the little job that I had up there wasn't working out. So I had to move back before it got all serious and everything. So. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. So I'm back in Louisiana, but um, cool. yeah, they're going to uh, start opening things back up, even though half of the people I've talked to, it's like, yeah, we don't care. We're just going out, mm-hmm. but it's going to get real interesting at my office because they're going to say, well, yeah, you can come back to work, but you got to have a mask. And I'm going to say, well, I'm going to refuse. <laughs> it's like, but well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that's what technically According to our mayor, I'm supposed to have a mask on sitting in my office by myself. Right. At, in Denver. Um, I have not done that. <laughs> so I done, like, I've been going to my office, but I've not been putting on a mask. So, yeah. I don't know. It's just one of those things. Yeah, it's um, not like there's any way for them to enforce that either, which is the other silly part of it. Yeah, because, I mean, if like, what are they going to do? Walk through an office building and look into every office and see if, there's a, if you have a mask on? Yeah, it's like I'm in a private office. Why would he to be? I don't know. I don't know. I've, there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of problems with telling someone they have to cover their face in a private office. But yeah, um, yeah. I also think a lot of people don't care anymore. But the people who do care are like, like it's like they're in a cult, man. Like I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Did you see that video today of the? Uh the scold of Karen's like yelling at this one poor woman in a grocery store for not wearing a mask. No, really? Oh yeah. It was like uh seven or eight of them and they all ganged up on her at once. That's crazy. Yeah. I think it was in a uh, long Island, New York. You need to get out of here. Yeah. It's like, you're going to kill my grandma. I was like, Oh my God. The only one that's going to kill your grandma is you. Yeah, it was really funny because half of them were like wearing cloth masks, which, mm-hmm. you know, when was the last time you farted in a pair of jeans? Uh, pretty much everybody <laughs> can smell it, right? It's like, I wonder why you could smell that. <laughs> people are so stupid, too. That's the other thing. Because so many people wearing the mask, it's like their nose is out or their, you know, people just don't care how to actually wear it. So it's really just, um, I think it's a way to virtue signal. Like it's a new... It's like the new SJW, I'm super righteous, oh, yeah. like, and I can show it by doing something that requires like no effort. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Alyssa Milano comes to mind because she had posted that uh, selfie pic of everybody in her car and she was wearing a crocheted mask. The crocheted mask. Oh, so funny. And she was like, oh, there's a, there's a carbon filter in it. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, good for you, I guess. But it's one of those times where if you're going to show a picture of yourself in a mask, try to virtue signal. Yeah. You might not want to show something that literally looks like you just have a net over yeah. your face. <laughs> oh, my God. She's so dumb, man. 
Oh yeah, I feel yeah. bad for her kids because she's like using her kids to virtue signal and that way to keep them. Well, you know, that's that's what they do. It's like, look at my child and how woke they are. I know, right? I also think about how um, they're the same people who are like taking their kids out in masks and stuff, like to the park in masks. And yeah. I'm just like I'm really glad I didn't grow up with parents that would have made me do something like that. It's not good for the kid. Like, let the kid get sick. I know that sounds messed up, but do it. Like, the kid needs it. You know, yeah. they should be in dirt. They should be playing outside. You know, I was I was outside roughhousing. Like, you know, I wasn't just. I don't, I don't know the idea. Sheltered in place a in a giant plastic girl. bubble. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, or my husband pointed out that people are acting like John Travolta in that uh, Boy in the Plastic Bubble movie, except yeah. that at the end of that movie. Even though he does have some uh, like a life-threatening illness that could kill him if he goes outside, like he risks it because it's like life is too sad to like not try to go outside. You know? It's like, ah, no, he was right. That's what I was saying. It's like be in the bubble. <laughs> That's where you belong. Um, so, but yeah, I, it's it's weird to me. It's definitely a hysteria. It's one of those things that, um, I like when you read about. Salem witch trials you're like how could people be this crazy you know well now i know like now i know yeah and uh unlike the salem witch trials we don't have a uh, fungus you know a wheat fungus that we can blame it on it was making (laughs) us trip balls (laughs) it wasn't just drugs this time man (laughs) uh yeah and it also it's like it's not just a bunch of teenager girls who are like being bitches or something you know, like trying to ruin things for everyone. It's like it's it like the panic it goes across all like different races and genders and even political ideologies because there's like libertarians who are freaking out too. So um, oh, yeah, yeah. As soon as they figured out some kind of angle that this violates the non-aggression principle by walking around without a mask on, yeah, oh, as thin as it is, punch someone, man. Yeah, <laughs> like. You're basically saying that breathing violates the nap. I was like, well, I mean, <laughs> technically, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, you well, can you can make the argument that secondhand smoke would also violate the nap, and you know, how are you going to prove what gave you lung cancer and what didn't? You know. Yeah, it's true. Well, and also, is it like is it really an act of aggression to like get a cold? Or, or, or like to get, um, like if you were to catch something that isn't fatal at all, or like the whole asymptomatic carrier thing, like if you make someone an asymptomatic carrier, it's like they don't even know they have it. Like how right. do you say they were aggressed upon? Um, the whole idea that like getting a cold is like an act of aggression is just kind of, or like not even a cold, but just any kind of illness is an act of aggression. It's kind of crazy. Unless you know that you have it and you're intentionally spreading it. Yeah. Like what they made legal in California with AIDS. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, with that one, when I read it, I was like, okay, obviously I misread this. They got to have made the law the other way around. But I was like, oh no, no, no. Yeah. So that's, it gets into uh, the hypocrisy within, within the panic is really, um, is really interesting. Yeah, uh, especially because um, both Republicans and Democrats 
have now also adopted the line of like if it saves one life oh yes yes and it's like okay well if it saves one life maybe we should bring the troops home (laughs) no no, no. not those not those lives not those lives or if it saves one life like maybe you shouldn't have deemed abortion clinics to be like essential right um so i don't know it's the hypocrisy goes wide and deep and that goes back to ellison milano too because she's like huge on the on the pro-choice thing and she's got like her kids up in there yeah um, keep your kids safe it's like what about the first two Ugh. all right it's a little awkward but um <laughs> but, but i do think um it, it's highlighted hypocrisy that we didn't we weren't able to highlight as clearly before but i think like you said they managed to argue that it's violating like the nap somehow so i think it's that when people are it's i mean it's not possession in terms of like an actual spirit or something but when people get like possessed by this hysteria they'll just figure out a way to justify it it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what ideology they were coming from before um and so that's and that's why we see it in all these different people the libertarians make me especially sad though um yeah, you would think out of an entire group of people that would get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think I'd have to like mute so many libertarians on Twitter. Um, well, no, that yeah. just came like the uh, the day after the uh, convention when uh, Joe Jorgensen got the uh, got the. Oh nod. God! Yeah. And now I'm starting to get like invited to all the groups. I'm like, guys, I'm I'm not voting for anybody. Please stop inviting me to these pages. I know it's so silly, and I. I might have considered Amash for various reasons because he's been principled in the past, but I also even had issues with him. Yeah. I was like, well, at least, like, he's been in Congress. People at least know who he is. Like, he would at least get invited onto talk shows, probably. He might have a little bit more. Yeah, if anybody had media clout, it was him. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not that you really, you have to, like, win the popularity contest. No one in the Libertarian Party is winning that anyway. (laughs) Yeah, but um but i didn't even know who she was that is the common refrain because after she got it like a lot of us were like posting a little gif of uh uh jimon hanzu from uh guardians of the galaxy where he just goes who (laughs) who (laughs) well when uh there's that one there's that one account who she like uh she dyed her hair red in her picture but she was julie baraski yeah 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 she asked um what do we think of Joe Jorgensen? And my response was who? Because I didn't know that. I did notice, I watched like 20 minutes of the debate the other day. And I noticed there was a woman. And I was like, who is this chick? I don't recognize her. Um, (laughs) And then I found out that that's who Joe Jorgensen was. But it was after she was nominated. But I went to her page and I don't consider myself to be a big account on Twitter. But I had like the same following as the person that we just nominated to be our presidential candidate. Yeah. And some people are like, oh, it's, you, it's not about who people know the most. Like, look at what happened with Gary Johnson. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, people knew Gary Johnson. And yeah, look at what happened governor with governor of the state of New Mexico first. I know. Oh, he had some kind God. of name recognition. Yeah. Yeah. Like he actually, he was a governor, you know, and he still, he still had all these gaps. I think the issue is that, the lack of a following shows a lack of charisma. It shows an inability to be like a good message for Liberty because if she was, 
even if she'd only been on Twitter for a year, if she was and she was a libertarian, libertarian presidential candidate as a woman, I feel like I would have heard of her. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm being. Yeah, like, I mean, there was there was a few of them. Um, Soraya Foss was one. Uh, Kim Ruff, one of my friends, uh, she was running up until she decided to stop. Uh, and then I yeah, think, there were a couple women in the Yeah, race. Joe Jorgensen was the other one, and I had only heard about her like going into the debate, the last one. And I was like, I was like, okay, well, I guess uh, since Amash is out, I guess the Hornburgers are going to run away with this one. So, I mean, there's no reason to watch. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I figured that's what was going to happen too, and I I didn't watch either. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's weird how much. You know, I I think what it is, people really want us to have a horse in this fight. Yeah, they want the liberty movement wherever you are on the liberty like spectrum. You know, they want us to have a horse in this fight, but we just really don't. And I think that that's okay. There's been election years like that, Um, and I don't think that. I mean, a lot of libertarians don't even think that voting is okay. (laughs) So. you know, that's kind of like there's people who have different philosophies just on voting in of itself within libertarianism. So we're always going to have the natural problem of coming behind the same candidate. Yeah, but yeah. I think this is a particularly strange choice. And people, I feel like people are trying to almost accuse me of being sexist. Uh, they weren't saying it outright because only the left will outright call you a sexist. Right. Libertarians will just imply it or imply that, well, you know, at least it's a woman. Like you should be happy that it's a woman. It was like, that's like, that's not the only thing, you know? Well, that's like when people told me, it's like, well, you should just vote for Obama because it's like, we haven't had a black president before. Yeah, I guess, except for (laughs) Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was also partially black, you know, anyways. (laughs) Well, I'm pretty sure that even I did a paper on uh, we had to, we had an assignment in elementary school. You had to draw president out of the hat and do a paper on him. And I got Warren G. Harding. Okay, and yeah. it's like when you're in like fourth grade, you don't know who the hell that is. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, but I'm pretty sure he was black. Actually, he was only in office for um, it was like less than two years, and yeah. then he died. But I think that he was part black or like mixed. You can yeah, see. You want to talk about a scandalous president, not just for his, you know, possible skin color. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but all uh, right, but no, I think that there's there's something there's there's something weird going on with the Libertarian Party. And yeah, I I can vouch for that. It's like after the uh, the 2018 convention because I was there. Uh, there was a lot of little side conversations that I kind of overheard. And I was like, oh, there is, there's definitely something else going on behind the scenes here that I think I just caught like a little whiff of. <laughs> so well, your instincts on that may that, be correct. I think that in general, Nicholas uh, Sawark or whatever his name is, uh, he's like the chair, right? Yeah. Well, form, form about to be former because he didn't, uh, yeah, he, he didn't uh, decide he was going to go up for it again. So it's. Uh, oh, he didn't. Yeah, so it's down to Joe Bishop Henchman and uh, Josh Smith who are okay. running for it this time. And I, I don't think they've picked as of this recording date. So, Yeah, although the convention is is it supposed to be happening like partially online right now or something? Yeah, they did the online portion of it. Um, 
it was like Friday and Saturday. And I'm not sure if they had anything going on yesterday. I think today they were supposed to have some of it wrapped up, but they're supposed to also have like an in-person uh, convention in Orlando in July. Yeah. Well, I listened to a Tom Woods podcast um, recently, and he was talking about how, or how this is kind of, it is kind of messy with all of this, because I guess the, they all came and decided that they couldn't actually finalize anything online. Like they have to do something in person by their own bylaws. Right. But then why did they rush an online convention at all? Like if you're still going to do something in July, why yeah. not just have that be when people do it? Cause it seems, it seems a little shady as well. How, um, how, I don't know how the voting worked, but if it's all online, that could be manipulated pretty easily, man. Yeah, and, there was a there was some charges leveled by one of the other candidates. It was like, yeah, there was, you know, not all of the people who were able to vote got to vote. Um, there was a little bit of chicanery going on beforehand, you know, where if you were a delegate, you didn't get the email invite for the link to join, you know, no. <laughs> to join the the online meeting and everything. So yeah, there was there was some problems with it. I also found out that um, a girl that I know who lives here in Colorado was somehow a delegate for California. Yeah. Well, With can, California, if you pay the state dues for California, it doesn't have a residency requirement. So you can do that. See, this seems, this seems problematic. <laughs> like it just, just seems a little bit. Like yeah. there's, like yeah. there's not, it, there's not a lot of transparency there. But I think the leadership is really a problem. Um, I'm glad that he's leaving. We'll see if that helps clean it up. Um, uh, maybe. Um, I'm, I'm hesitant. I've been skeptical of the Libertarian Party for some time. Well, that, that's good. It's a, that's a healthy skepticism. I, I, got ske- I got skeptical after the, uh, the last convention. So I was like, I was like oh, I, I see. They're just going to do things the way they want to. Um, you know, there was a out-and-out avowed uh, pedophile that was uh, in charge of the North Carolina libertarian uh, who was running as a Senate candidate or something like that, uh, you know, had wrote uh, fiction about abusing his wife and children. And, you know, we're supposed to uh, come together and get a judicial committee uh, set up so we can uh, kick the guy out of the party. And, you know, by the end of it, you know, sure enough, you know, we didn't elect any kind of uh, judicial committee to do that. So. Yeah. I was like, you know, that should be kind of a slam dunk case of like maybe uh, let's stop with all of the motions on the floor and let's just uh, get ahead with business. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know about the rest of you. I love arguing about bylaws and platform and everything. <laughs> the bylaws. That's the, that's the thing we should really be focusing on. That's right. Uh-huh. That's right. Um. Yeah, I was I was skeptical of them. I mean, Gary Johnson, he wasn't a great candidate, but he was okay. But when they chose Bill Weld as the VP oh. in 2016, I was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. I don't know. I don't understand what you guys are doing. Like, yeah, Mr. Massachusetts gun grabber? Sure. Yeah, I know. It's like that guy's basically just a straight up like neocon Republican type. And you yeah. put him as the VP. Um, Especially, it's like you have McAfee in there, okay? Yeah. You're like we have an election where it's basically who can win a presidential reality show. Yeah, you've got McAfee Between... as an option. He's not off at sea, like evading the law yet. 
<laughs> you know? So it's like he was the he was the right choice. Gary Johnson was okay. Bill Weld was not okay. Um, <laughs> and then when they treated Mosh Ture, like when they uninvited him, like Yeah, that, that was all Daniel like, Hayes. That was so bizarre. Yeah. That and was that like, was all Daniel Hayes, and I'm right here in Louisiana with him, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, and I don't, it's like Daniel Hayes, it's like, who does he think he is, man? Marsh Ture is a very influential person, and he's well-known all across the country, and you can't, you you don't want to just, like, what kind of purity tests are we running where the most influential libertarians are getting, like, ousted? And they're trying to do it with the Mises Caucus people in general. Like, they're trying to say that they're, I'm just picking a fight with the people who can get the most uh, people into the movement. I mean, why why else would you go after Tom Woods? Serious? Uh, why on earth would you go after Tom Woods? Yeah. I, I don't understand that. And Nicholas Sawark has the balls to say to say stuff on Twitter that's like anti-Ron Paul. And it's like, yeah. okay, admittedly, maybe we've elevated Ron Paul pretty high in our esteem. Yeah, okay. hero worship is always going to be gross. No matter right? no matter who it is, you know. But still, if there was ever a man that deserved, you're just like, just trust that that guy's a libertarian, okay? It's like right. Ron Paul is that guy. He's yeah. he's he's proven himself. All right, we don't have to. He inspires libertarians of all persuasions. We don't have to be being critical of Ron Paul's stance, especially when he was basically promoting something anti-war. And Nicholas yeah. Starr is like, ooh, like. What if, I don't know. I forget the exact tweet, but he basically said that he was carrying water for yeah for someone. I feel like he almost implied that he was trying to kowtow for Israel or something like that. But um, the idea that people like Tom Woods, Mascheri, Ron Paul, okay, these people are have been mocked by the leadership of the Libertarian Party. It's really um, they're just shooting themselves in the foot. They're they're trying to go for people who would never vote for them anyway. You know, they're trying to pander to people who don't, who are crazy authoritarians. It's like you, there are moderates that you might be able to pull to the Libertarian Party, yeah. but we will never win if you alienate libertarians. Yeah. <laughs> if you alienate your own base. Yeah, and if you're going to come out and try to say... Known at all, then yeah, if, if you're going to come out and try to say because they won't sign this little letter about being anti-fascist and everything that that somehow implies that you are. <laughs> it's like, I, I read that letter. I wasn't going to sign it either. It was like, this is the silliest thing ever. I mean, of course we're anti-fascist. <laughs> it's I know. kind of in the name, you know, don't aggress on people and don't take their property. And that's uh, kind of the whole fascist stick, right? And why would we jump on and sign something like that when there's a violent authoritarian movement going around that's right. calling themselves the anti-fascists? We don't have to say that, that in that phrasing. Like you yeah. said, the libertarian platform should speak for itself in that regard. There should I mean, be no the statement of principles alone should just tell everybody. Yeah. Like the platform, I don't know. I haven't read what the platform is on the page in a while. But it should be abundantly clear that a libertarian is not a fascist. Oh, yeah. I mean, people don't don't even have to read past the statement of principles to know that. So (laughs) that kind of just lays everything out. But it's one of those things. People don't know what words mean anymore. So that's kind of a problem. Definitely true. Definitely true. 
I mean, when you can get into a semantic argument over, you know, why the comma is there in that particular sentence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure as a lawyer, you're probably very upset with that because that's usually how some cases break down, right? <laughs> yeah. Although, you know, the more I practice, the more I find that a lot of lawyers are just, they're not good writers at all. You know, it's, it's very surprising how many of these people pass the bar. I don't know how they did it. They must have just had a really lucky day uh, when they were <laughs> taking the test. Um, because the, the comma usage is all over the place. I mean, people, oh, yeah. and, and like, people don't know what the hell a semicolon is for, you know, nope. but they'll throw it in. <laughs> they'll throw it in like they know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to put this semicolon in after a four-syllable word. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Exactly. Um, and I've also found that... Uh, Judges can be really stupid too. Uh, oh, I mean, look at that judge in Dallas. Oh, <laughs> with the lady with the hair with the hair salon. Oh my gosh! Wasn't admit that, that you were joking. Nightmarish. Wasn't yeah. that a nightmarish dystopian like five minutes of video? I um, mean, I was I was like, am I watching a Kafka play? What is this? Or like an episode of the Twilight Zone? Yeah, pretty much. Um, because really, I mean, she she was he called he he called her selfish. He said that she had to apologize. It's like all she did was, as a hairdresser, she operated her hair salon. That's right. it. Yeah. And our governor, he was out calling people selfish and ignorant the other day for going like fishing, um, you know, and not sitting six feet apart from each other. But the truth right. is, it's like all these guidelines are being made up as they go along. It would be one thing if, if, if it was really just, listen, we don't know what the fuck's going on. Stay home for two weeks. And yeah. then once we know what this virus is like, then we'll like reopen and we'll protect the people who are vulnerable. Yeah. In a perfect world, you know, the, our betters would have uh, come out and said, okay, well, this is what we know about the virus. Uh, you know, use your best judgment. If you're going to be out, maybe don't touch anybody. Yeah. <laughs> You know. And like, if you do, if you're, if you've got a cough, if you're feeling sick, like, don't, I mean, yeah, stay and home. I Every understand. doctor will tell you bed rest, you know? And you know, there was a lot of propaganda. Like it's people, it's hard for people to not be affected by propaganda. And there's so much fear mongering for it. I don't, I'm not really exposed to commercials. I haven't had cable since. Damn. Has it really been that long? It's been since like 2013. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So I only see commercials rarely when I watch something online that it's like, you have to turn your ad blocker off to view this. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> I might see a commercial, but there's a few things like that. And all every commercial break, there was at least one ad about how if you have these underlying conditions, like you're probably going to die from COVID. So like, don't yeah. go outside. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's only got like a 99.8% survival rate, you know, it's uh <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, even my father, who he had had a quadruple bypass surgery before. Yikes! Um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. He had a. It was a miracle that he didn't have like a massive heart attack. Um, but he didn't, and he he was able to have the surgery, and he's fine and like perky and jolly now. But I mean, they just initially they scared the living daylights out of him. You oh know? yeah, of course. They were like, if you have had heart disease, like it's super risky for you. But my dad is a cowboy at heart. And so when they kept prolonging the stay at home order, 
And when our governor put into his little order that you can't go more than 10 miles from your house. He made sure he did 11. (laughs) Like my dad was like, I'm not going to be on a leash, you know? Uh, So good for him. Yeah. Right. And even my mother, my mother initially was really scared too, but now that she sees that they're still trying to restrict churches so much, even though there's like, not really like, even though there's like 50 people in a Walmart, like our churches are limited to like 10 right so my very prude catholic mother has been sending me like zero hedge articles okay she has (laughs) like she has been like red pilled by this so yeah they um, had an entire book series called left behind that talked all about this stuff so Oh, what's that about? I haven't heard of it. Oh, that was, that was a uh, silly like uh, fiction series that was based around oh. the end times and the book of Revelation. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of Catholics think this like is like a warning that we're like close because the mass hasn't been restricted like this in like thousands of years. Or like since the mass was instituted, it hasn't been restricted like this in the Western world. Yeah. So people are freaking out. I don't think it's the end of the end of days. I think that uh, people are just hysterical. And because we're kind of a global world now, the hysteria is not isolated. Like in, in well, it definitely doesn't help with the 24 hour news cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm hoping that also means that the hysteria won't last as long because everything sped up so fast. Uh, I don't know. Seeing that video today of the scold of Karen's descending upon that poor woman today. I know. Oh, God. And the Karens thing, it's a real phenomenon, man. <laughs> yeah. And and, uh, and this is a bit of a change in topic, but part of what alarms me the most, and I, my husband identified this as to why I personally have had such a psychological mindfuck with all of this, is that it feels like I fell asleep one morning and then I woke up in a country that is not religiously Islamic, but that is de facto under some version of a Sharia situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where now it's like, people are telling me I have to cover my face, and they have like a religious zealotry about it. And it's apparently for my own safety, and or like for the safety of people around me, I guess. But, um, but a lot of the time when I object to it, people are like, you stupid moron, it's for your own good. You know, it's like, well, that's what they tell women. Yeah, they, they do. Yeah. Um, and when I first brought that up, it was when the masks were, they weren't mandatory yet. They were just highly recommended. Yeah. And people dogpiled on me saying I was insane. And I was like, listen, they might not be mandatory yet, but that's coming, man. You just yeah. wait. And the thing about the Islamic countries is that it's not the governments there doing all the enforcement of the like the covering your hair and the covering your face it's public it's public you know admonition and shaming and like stoning and you know horrible things that that make women feel like they're not safe to go outside without a mask i mean or or, like obviously you could get arrested too yeah but there's a huge social pressure by a cop not wearing masks or gloves yeah Mm -hmm. which you should not be (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe the people who like wear one pair of gloves like all day and then like will like adjust their face mask with it. That's even worse because the latex, like all of the stuff that you've been touching all day just kind of stays there. 
Yeah. And I, I actually think the masks, it's going to come out later that it's actually really detrimental to have them on. I think that's going to happen. Well, yeah. I mean, depending on the mask, I mean, you can suffer from hypoxia because you're not getting enough oxygen. Yeah, those and some of the people are wearing like dust masks, like if you were tearing down drywall, so you didn't breathe up the particulates. That's what the people yeah. are wearing around, and that's not made for, you know, viruses or antibacterial or anything like that. And you know, yeah, and people argue. People argue like, well, if workers can wear it, you know, to do their work, then you can wear it in a store. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, even then, yeah, yeah maybe it, it won't day. kill me. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe it won't kill me to do that. But why? Like how, what the cost benefit analysis here, like in Colorado, our cases have gone down and deaths have gone down daily since we have gone to our like half open situation that we're in. Um, So ending the lockdown, ending the stay at home order did not cause a massive spread of this. Yeah. And they find that, you know, it's the places where people have been staying inside that have the worst spread and so such I as think nursing homes up being the same thing like you're breathing in all the, the same crap in your face all day it probably won't be the people who only put on a mask just to go into a store and then leave but the people who have been crazy and like wearing a mask for like eight hours straight some of these days because they just don't feel like taking it off in between their errands or whatever oh, yeah. uh, i feel like it's gonna have health impacts on those people and someone did crash their car. They said it was probably because they passed out because they had an N95 mask on. Yeah. Some people want to say that they're just speculating that. But it was like the official story, uh, you know, from the police that someone passed out in an N95 mask because they had too much carbon dioxide and then they crashed their car. They managed <laughs> to survive that accident, but um, they were like hospitalized pretty badly. Um and it's like when there's someone else who's in the hospital who, you know, is taking your bed away from all the people who aren't at the hospital. Is, right. is Louisiana overwhelmed in your hospitals? New Orleans is. is. Like yeah, New Orleans got hit pretty hard with it. Um, and I think that's just because it's a city where people are living on top of each other yeah. uh, in a very small area. And uh, like the town where I live, they they had a whole bunch of cases, but... You know, even my uh, younger brother had it and I was even asking him, I was like, okay, so it was like every bed filled up on that floor and everything. And he was like, nah, he's like, not from what I could tell. I mean, you would look and there was a whole bunch of empty beds and there was like maybe three of us that had like really bad cases of it. And, you know, in his worst day, he had like 103 fever and they had to put bags of ice under his uh, armpits to cool his corporate core temperature down. Wow. But, but after that, you know, once he got his uh, oxygen saturation up, then he was uh, free to go again. So, can you tell me a little bit about that, if you don't mind? Was did he was he on a ventilator? No, they never put him on a ventilator. Um, he was. They did hook. You know how like sometimes they'll have like a little oxygen tube they'll just kind of hook into your nose, and yeah, that's just yeah. to create positive pressure. Mm-hmm. So he had that, and then um, like I said, that first day he had like that really horrible temperature, and then after that it was just a matter of getting his uh getting him to a oxygen saturation level and he was already asthmatic to begin with so i mean he was right in line with the uh <laughs> with the people yeah, who would have been affected so, by it yeah well that's the thing there's people who are like man if you if you have one of if you have like a lung condition 
yeah, you probably shouldn't be, you should probably wait till it's kind of passed through the whole herd, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and sort of self-isolate, but, um, all right, let's just pump the brakes right there. We'll be right back. Hey there, bartender. Yeah, what'll it be, pal? Well, if you could, give me directions to the nearest bar that handles Bigfoot. The road toad. A dog man, even. The what and a who's it? Don't look at me with that tone of voice, young man. Look, I'm being serious. I ain't got a clue what the hell you're talking about. No, look, it's my roommate, Harry. Jesus. What you doing, rebel? What are you doing here? Trying to get information for the cryptid bar. This a friend of yours, pal? Yeah, sort of. I heard you talking to a cryptid bartender. Oh, yeah. Harley, the cryptid bartender. Um, not a real bar. What? It's promo time, isn't it? Uh, affirmative. Okay, folks, head on over to the cryptid bartender on Facebook, Instagram, even Twitter. All right, Harry, let's get the fuck out of here. Adios, you weirdos. Hey, y'all, before we get back into it, I just want to tell you about a new podcast I learned about. It's called The Porcupine Perspective. Check them out. Porcupine, P-O-V dot porcupinepodcast.com. He said, yeah. Yeah, he was okay, huh? He's back home. Yeah, he's back home, back working and everything. Uh, he just said, yeah, it's probably like the uh, the worst sickness I've ever gotten, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, you know, definitely knocked him down for a couple of days and... um He's like, he's back to normal. He, he thinks he caught it from somebody at work because he remembers before all the lockdowns went in place, there was one guy at work who was who looked awful. <laughs> well, you know, my boss, right before all this happened, uh, or right before the lockdowns happened, he had the worst chest cold he said he's ever had in his whole life. Yeah. He said it felt like, like the congestion in his lungs was so thick that yeah. he had never felt anything like that. And, uh, he had to get like a steroid shot, um, but that calmed it down and he was better like the next yeah. day. Uh, but I was in his office, you know, and he was coughing <laughs> or whatever. Uh, and I, I don't know, I didn't, I, I haven't gotten sick. Like I don't really get colds and flus that often. It's pretty rare. Um, the last time I got a bad one was when I was in Germany, actually. And it was after I went to Oktoberfest. And that's just because they don't wash those glasses. You know? No, 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 no. It's the the alcohol in the beer should uh, kill everything, right? <laughs> I know that's what that's the reasoning, right? Yeah. But everyone I know who went to Oktoberfest got sick. Um, like I got bronchitis from that. Um, yeah. But th- again, it's one of those things where it's what we were talking about earlier. Um, it's like, did some was that like an act of aggression against me that no. I like got bronchitis? <laughs> Like at Oktoberfest, like yeah. I don't. Can you so. na- can you narrow it down to the exact individual who gave it to you? you know? Yeah, which one of the many uh, women with the steins, you know, yeah. was it? Or like, which one of the I don't know the bartenders, or which one of like the random guys who was drinking and like spilled beer on me? You know, it's just yeah. It could have been any of those things, but or just um, somebody walking into beer fest with you, you know. So. <laughs> seriously yeah it could have just been the person i went to oktoberfest with could yeah. have just had it was an asymptomatic carrier you know which really just means a healthy person i stand by that um i i don't yeah. get the whole asymptomatic carrier thing because it's like uh I, well either you got it or you don't yeah <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't see how somebody's gonna carry a disease and then just not show any symptoms of it 
And if they have such a mild, mild form of it, where they don't even show symptoms of it, yeah. that's probably the version of it that you would rather be yeah. exposed to. Um, but yeah, that's one of the things. It's a very Orwellian situation because we have all these new terms. Yeah, yeah. Um, the new normal. Like the new normal, uh, flattening the curve, social distancing, you know, a save, stay home, save a life, all this really creepy shit. Um, oh, yeah. And and it happens so fast. It was in the blink of an eye and everyone just is going along with it. Like they're just marching <laughs> to the meat grinders uh, and Pink Floyd's the wall, you know? It's just... Yeah, somewhere um, George Orwell is uh, rolling over in his grave. It's like, it wasn't meant to be an instruction manual, damn it. <laughs> I know, right? Or he was like, damn, I really wanted to be wrong about this. <laughs> Like, I really wanted to be wrong. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what to do about it either. Be- because, like you said, some of our libertarian friends are have bought into it as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. One would think you would just take the tack of, it's my body, it's my choice. And, you know, and if I want to go out there and take the risk of getting sick with something, you know, that that's on me afterwards. But Well, you would think so. I actually, uh, I've been... I went to some of the protests here in Denver when I've had uh, the time on Sundays to go. Um, and I painted some signs. <laughs> and one of the ones I painted had the, my body, my choice with the mask and like an X through it. Yeah. Um, but it is true. You know, it's, it's like I said earlier, it's the same, the same people who want to say that it's a woman's right to, uh, you know, kill her unborn child, so to speak. It's like, it's, but it's not my right to not cover my face. Like, you, you're allowed to tell me what to wear on my body. Even though that's literally, there's not even any ambiguity about whose body that is. It's only mine. And you're telling me, like, how I have to um, use it. Right. And it doesn't enter into anybody's mind that, you know what, um, if you're that scared of catching something, you can stay at home on your own. You don't need to be told to do that. You don't have to go sit in a restaurant if you think that you're going to die there. Right. No. (laughs) You don't have to go to church if you think you're going to die at church. But chances Uh, are I'm going to find you in the Walmart buying up all of the, uh, all of the toilet paper later on. So yeah. Or I'm going to see you in King Supers, you know, touching every loaf of bread with your gloves. Yeah. To find the one that has the expiration date you want. And it's like, well, you know, who knows like how long you've had those gloves on, but how many loaves of bread did you just touch? It's the same thing. um, If you go to a store and pick up like takeout orders, they have the little tickets. It's like, how many people touch those tickets? Yes. To see if it's their food, you know? And have you seen line cooks recently? (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? I'm sure they're going after line cooks now. Okay. Um, Yeah. I'm anti-line cook now. Uh, (laughs) But I actually think that like, and some of the restaurants that are uh, sort of Chipotle, Panda Express level, that the the new measures they put in have actually um, upped the amount of contact that you have with other individuals in terms of hand-to-hand right. contact. Because now the bags, the tickets, all of that are in the same place. Everyone's touching those. Everyone's going to the same place to pick up their food instead of kind of like walking through slowly and getting it and then going out and then maybe not interacting with anybody within six feet of you the whole time like i just think that they've they're trying to dance around these rules and they've just 
ended up doing stupid things. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't even get them to keep the corn out of the pico de gallo when I go there. So <laughs> that's a very good point, man. <laughs> like they can't even they can't even keep the ingredients separated yeah. in, a, in like in a uniform way. So how are they the idea that um I think that's part of it. If we were gonna walk down it would have had to be a like a hard nothing's open yeah. lockdown. Like you can't go to get pickup or delivery food. Yeah, because that place because, just isn't open. Right, that place just isn't open. Or like the idea that that many people would go and be working together in a kitchen is like no, that's too dangerous. Like if it was really the Black Plague happening up in here, then like the grocery stores that would not be okay. You know. So yeah, there would be no such thing as a non-essential or essential business because it would all just be closed down. Yeah, because even essential businesses would carry a high risk of death, right? Yeah. So so it it doesn't even we did this weird half lockdown which um was just ultra stupid and had we made sure to have a massive economic catastrophe. Um, although, you know, it wouldn't have been as bad if the Federal Reserve hadn't done all the things that they did. But even yeah, if we had a healthy economy, <laughs> even if we had a healthy economy, though, like, it still would have taken a big hit. Yeah. Yeah. You, it still would have put us probably into a recession, at least. Um, but because our economy was so fragile, it's going to be more like yeah. a depression type situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we basically did the most economic damage possible without actually suppressing the spread in any kind of significant way. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and then it comes out that, you know, all of their numbers were wrong and, you know, the, the high chances of survivability, it, it, unless you're in like one key demographic. Uh, and now we're finding out that the, uh, the lives affected of unemployment have actually produce more deaths than the uh, the COVID-19 has. So with people committing oh, suicide sure. and alcoholism. Uh, yeah, alcoholism and, you know, being beaten up by your husband because he ain't got no job now. So. Yeah, seriously. Um, it's really the fact that people uh, want to talk about those lives as if that increase doesn't matter. Um, I think it's one of the more heartbreaking things because I actually, I do feel for the people who got COVID. Like, that's why I wanted to ask about your friend because um, I haven't known anyone specifically that's had it. I have like friends of friends who have had it, but yeah. uh, I haven't known anyone specifically. And so I just wanted to hear about it because I am, I am sad to hear about so many people dying um, because basically we had like a double flu season. Yeah, you know, like a double flu season that was pretty bad anyway. Um, but at the same time, there's people like this. The suicide hotline phone calls are up like six hundred percent. I think that was the stat I read in that letter from all those doctors. So suicides are up potentially like hundreds of a percentage point. You know, it's that's that's a big deal, and you would think that that would be big news. Um, yeah, especially if you got, you know, county sheriffs that are saying, it's like, yeah, we get like maybe four suicides out here like every three months, but now there's like four every single day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's that. a problem. And I, I went to my doctor the other day, uh, 
you know, mostly for, like, kind of checkup things, various uh, things with, like, maybe I want to change my medicine for my headaches or whatever. But I was telling him that I've had migraine, a migraine every single day since these lockdowns started. Yeah, um, that sucks. And, and part of me initially thought it was just because I'm a libertarian and all of this is so insane and, like, I can't handle it. But, um, and but it's I was talking, focusing in the blood vessels in your brain. You know? <laughs> yeah. But I was talking to my doctor about it. And he's like, well, think about it. Your um, church has been canceled. I'm just going to list off everything that got canceled. But my church was canceled. Yoga, which is something I did multiple times a week, has been canceled. I used to sing with a choir that met weekly. That's yeah. canceled. I used to be in a band that was supposed to have a performance in April. Nope, that not doing only, that. <laughs> yeah that not only got canceled for that but um the people who are in that band with me are so scared that they don't even want to perform in the fall and they actually don't even want to schedule another performance at all until there's like a vaccine so right, so that band is broken up <laughs> yeah so that's probably just over yeah. forever um and so i the only thing that i've had is things like painting and stuff like that but um my my doctor was basically saying, well, it's no wonder that you've been having really bad anxiety and like headaches. It's like everything that you had that kept you sane is gone. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> Sounds like so, it. And for, he said that for him, he, his life hasn't really changed because as a doctor, he's been going into the same office. He's essential, you know, in that way. Right. Um, and the only activities that he really enjoys weren't what made illegal. So, but there's so many people who their entire lives have been destroyed by this. Not like I'm lucky that my job is fine. Like I, we have more work than ever at my law right. firm, but so many people, not only did they lose all of their extracurricular stuff, like I just talked about, you know, or their extracurricular, I sound like a student, all of their hobbies. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's also whatever their job was is also gone and they might, they might still be getting paid on a furlough or something, but a lot of people, not only did they lose their means of making money, but they are not making the money at all either. And they don't yeah. have anything to do for fun. So we have all these people at home, their jobs have been made illegal. They can't make money to pay rent and they can't even go to a bar and like, you know, yeah. blow off steam. Yeah. And humans <laughs> so are social creatures and you've, had this whole thing designed to be, you know, well now we have to be antisocial, you know, yeah. for, for some of us, we're like, Oh, thank God. Everyone's finally catching up. We don't have to go outside anymore. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, when I'm seeing pictures of, you know, it's like, Oh, well they had this nice little get together in the field and they had the little circles drawn that was like 12 feet apart from each other. I was like, there's nothing in this picture that looks normal, by the way. <laughs> nothing, yeah. nothing is normal about it. Um, and speaking of that, uh, there's a priest here in Colorado who um, he's figured out a way to get around the 10 person limit on mass attendance by doing it outside and separating people into groups of 10, at least like 20 feet apart. And so he just kind of created little boxes outside. And so he does the mass outside and that way as many people can come yeah. as can fit. Um, but it's so, it's so weird that this is where we are though. Like to have more than, to have like 40 people at a church service, we have to all sit in like these separated things in little groups of 10 or less. 
when I, the first week I went, like, a lot of people had masks on, but when I went yesterday, um, it was more about 50-50 with the masks. Uh, I yeah, think I'm people were- I noticed there's a little bit less of them out in public now. Yeah, it's going down a little bit. And even um, the ones that I do see on, they're not wearing them correctly. They're got it down around their chin or their nose is peeking out of the top of it. Yeah. But I mentioned it because um, for a long time, I really thought that the right that was under, or the, in the Bill of Rights, what was in the most danger was our Second Amendment. I really thought that. And I still nope. think, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's still, people still try to attack it, but I mean, you saw what happened in California when you tried to make the gun shops non-essential. Like, they still had lines all the way around the corner, you know. People, well, people get scared. Fair to fair job of them. eviscerating the First Amendment. <laughs> you know, you yeah. can't stand them with a bunch of people. <laughs> I know. So They're protesting. It's a situation where it's like, I was able to buy a rifle and ammo and all of this without going to a gun shop other than like, yeah, to, I had to have the background check run when I picked up the rifle. Yeah. But my ability to purchase a firearm, at least in Colorado, is not really impacted right now. Um, or my ability to carry it, it's really not. However, my ability to practice my religion is fucked right now. Right. Um, and same thing with, even if you're not religious, like your right to protest, your right to assemble, your freedom of speech. Because the I mean, they literally put a muzzle really on you and told you it was a mask. So. <laughs> yeah, the mask thing is a huge violation, man. Yeah. It, when I've decided, though, that if anyone yells at me about not having a mask on, I'm just going to be like, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Maybe you should take off your mask. <laughs> <laughs> gonna, I'm oh, probably going to get beaten up. i got to be careful. Um, but I think that it's just a... And people, I think people can tell, especially on my Twitter account, that I've been more passionate about the religious thing recently, but it's because I never imagined in a million years that my religious liberty was in this much jeopardy. Right. Like, I thought, I thought the gun thing was a troubling thing because so many people were coming for the gun, so to speak. So many candidates in the Democratic race were just like, yeah, let's ban semi-automatics. It's like, you don't even know what that means, you yeah. know? Um, but that that debate seems like it's pretty much over for the most part. We have some stuff to clean up, like the red flag laws are kind of a mess or whatever. But um, but the debate about are we just going to ban firearms in this country? I think that's over. Like I don't yeah, think that's going to. But the not, debate it, about can't get it done, and there's no way to enforce it, even if they do. So right. But the debate about um, can we ban your ability to go to church or can we limit yeah. how many people you're allowed to interact with at any well, given time is very alive and well. And I mean, I they even hit the third who, amendment. I mean, who'd have thought in this day and age that we would have been worried about quartering troops, but here they are going to motel chains and saying, Hey, you got to put up these uh, national guard folks. Right. I thought I was like, <laughs> Holy shit. I always joked that the only amendment that probably wouldn't get violated was the third. And here it was, but it's like, Oh my God, they're actually violating that part of the bill of rights too. Um, and when I was a kid, my mother, you know, I told you she's ultra Catholic, right? So she would try to warn me about, you know, there were times where it was really hard for people to go to mass. Like you should be thankful that you can go. And I would, I was just like, who, would get mad at us for going to church. Oh, Who's going to get mad at us for going yeah. and sitting in church on a Sunday morning? Like, 
most people who are here don't even want to be here, you know, as well. It's like, yeah, you, haven't, you haven't met Karen or Bradley yet. So <laughs> I know oh, <laughs> Brad's Brad's are like the male Karens, I think, um, or maybe Mark. Cause Mark Cuban was just off. Um, or he, he's just been in his little mansion too long. He's got a, he's got to get out uh, a little bit detached from the rest of reality. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know though. I just, I wanted to bring that up because, um, because I ordinarily, I probably would come on this podcast and talk about guns, but yeah, I'm, I'm just, not, <laughs> I'm, just I'm, a, I'm a, I'm kind of a gun nut and I'm a big gun advocate and it's sort of weird. Like I just, um, I mean, you have your, your little thing with cowboy action. People. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> what was that you said then? Sorry. I was like, you have your little weird thing about cowboy action. I mean, I don't get it, but <laughs> I know a lot of, <laughs> It's funny, because um, I do, my the rifle I bought uh, in the quarantine was my lever action. I spent my Federal Reserve Monopoly money on it. Uh, so I turned my Monopoly money into something real, and also something that I can use to defend my rights with. Yep. Uh, but it's partially because I really love Annie Oakley, um, and I always liked her, like even when I was in elementary school, I think I did a book or a biography on her or something, but... Um, I've been watching uh, silly shows like Top Shot and other things like that too. And I've been watching people do trick shots <laughs> with rifles. And I just thought it was amazing how many trick shots Annie Oakley like came up with herself. And she was such a badass. And she was yeah. only like five feet tall. Um, yeah, she wasn't, yeah, she wasn't that big, you know. No. <laughs> um, but she still, she also, she was a big advocate of um, still being feminine but also embracing the firearm. You know, it's like if my goal is for everyone, this was a quote from her, I might be paraphrasing a little, but it was essentially that uh, my goal would be that every woman could handle a firearm as well as they handle a baby. Yeah. Um, And when she performed, it was all in dresses. Oh yeah. She had her her dresses on, you know, and, uh, and she would do crazy, like her trick shots are impressive, especially now that I had the lever action and I was holding it in my hand. And thinking about it, she does one where she puts it on her shoulder and shoots over her shoulder backwards. Yeah, with a mirror. mirror yeah. To see the target, right? Yeah. And just the thought, the thought of hitting a bullseye when you can't even really see perfectly where your gun is aimed is yeah. just crazy to me. Like, I, that, that's amazing. And so she's just one of these, um, she just kind of embodies what I think that a, like a modern feminist should be like. And I like the lever action, too, because the, the repeating rifle, right, the jump from just, like, a single shot situation, sort of like what you had with muskets or whatever, where you had yeah. to, like, load every round individually, and you had that one shot, and if you missed, then there's, like, a decent amount of lag before you get to fire off something right. else. Um, Even when they moved into cartridges, you had the rolling block where you still had to, you know, drop the gate undo the shell that's already in there because there was no spring ejector. Right. Yeah. There was <laughs> the new one in, close it back up, get it ready to fire. So, I mean, you yeah. went from a 30 second load to, you know, a 10 second load, but still, I mean, that's, that's a lifetime. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, that's in terms of a firefight, that is a lifetime. It really is. Right. So, um, so I really love that the whole, the whole idea of like a, a repeating rifle, um, it really changed the game. Uh, it also was sort of the, the gun that won the West, so to speak. And it was also a gun that Native Americans embraced too, once they 
feel yeah. like once they figured it out, like they because it shot they, almost as fast as their arrows. So yeah, yeah. So so they would use them to like hunt buffalo and stuff after they after they found out about it. Um, yeah. But so it's really historically speaking, I think it's a really cool firearm. And someone basically told me that it was the a boomer version of an AR-15. <laughs> And I was like, and it's like, well, that might actually be true. Um, but the thing is, I don't actually need a firearm for the purpose of taking down as many guys as possible as fast as possible. Like that when I when I purchased a rifle, that wasn't really my consideration. Like obviously if that was what I wanted, I would want a semi-automatic rifle that um wouldn't require like it would be almost you would want to be able to aim from the hip a little bit more. You wouldn't want the precision necessarily of like a long barreled rifle for that necessarily. I mean, it depends on what you're trying to do. Yeah. But for the most part, like I understand. Yeah. If I was going to be in a militia right now, maybe the lever <laughs> action rifle is not ideal for no, that. No, no, not for, in the least bit. But, <laughs> my I mean, if you got three gangbangers coming through the door. <laughs> yeah. Like if I have a burglar up in here, I think yeah. that that'll do just fine, you know. Like, if and what caliber three, did you get it in? Three fifty-seven Magnum. Uh, it's in a thirty-eight special, mostly because that's what my revolver is in. Oh, okay. So yeah. I can actually just use the same. I, can I mean, I still wouldn't want to be shot by it, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll even it's say that about a twenty-two. A, so it's not meant to kill big game. Nah. That's for sure. But if, like, if make you think twice about it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do think I could probably I could probably still take down a deer or something like that. I don't know if I would get a buffalo though. You know, nah, probably not a buffalo. It's all piss off a buffalo. Size. Yeah, I would just piss off a buffalo. Exactly. <laughs> um, but it's really more. That's more for me to be able to first of all to practice and do little trick shots and competitions and stuff. If they ever let me do, if they ever allow rifle competitions again, <laughs> right? Who knows if that's even gonna happen. But um, it would be like, it's really going to be a, a firearm for me to have fun with and for me to use as like home protection. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. There's so many like really hardcore like ANCAP guys who jump in my mentions whenever I talk about my lever action or just like, oh, you couldn't kill nearly as many dudes with that. It's like, I'm actually <laughs> not planning on killing that many yeah. dudes. Like you might be surprised to find out that... Uh, <laughs> I'm not actually planning on killing anyone with it. Right. I hope that I, and, I hope I even never if, use it on Even if it comes down to that, that lever action will get you the M4, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, mean, okay. I think there'll be plenty of them lying around for you to just pick up. <laughs> it's true. And I got to say, like, if, if you came into my house and I shot you in the chest with that rifle, it's not like you're going to keep coming at me. You know, you probably would just leave the house after yeah. that. Um, and if I, if you got hit in the head with that, okay, that just, yeah, you no, would, that's the on off switch right there. So, yeah. So it's just a matter of, um, but it's a matter of like what you actually want the firearm for. And I think that people have, uh, obviously utilitarianism matters, especially with firearms because it's a tool, but aesthetics yeah. have to play kind of a role. You yeah. know, um, and that's why I got the one I got because I could have gotten like an 1873 or another year, but I got an 1866 because I want it in brass, okay. which is the yeah. more classic, like yeah. look. You know, um, even though the 1873 was really the one that was more widespread. <laughs> but uh, 
but yeah, I mean, I think, because that's the thing, the ARs and the AKs, and it's like, they all kind of look like a scary black gun. And while that's all well and good, because it works well for protection yeah. in that regard, or if you do want to be in a militia, it's, you know, there's, I appreciate the beauty and the craftsmanship in firearms, too. And I don't think as many people care about that these days. Yeah. In my case, the my AR-15 is a scary green, brown, and black gun, so... <laughs> Is it's camouflage? How, how is it? Oh, it's camouflage, huh? Yeah, yeah. Rattle can. So, <laughs> did you get it custom painted? No, I just uh, you know, you buy the camouflage paint. Oh. From the store, and then you just uh, you know, spray it up. You might throw like a couple of leaves on there to give it some you know little pattern to it, but that's about it. Interesting. Yep. Hmm. Only thing you have to do is just make sure you just put uh, painters tape over the uh, the optic and the sights, and then uh, spray everything else. So. That's I didn't it. know camouflage was just like a a color of paint. I don't know. I guess I assumed that there was more patterning or thoughtfulness behind. Yeah, how- you can, uh, they have like specific camouflage paint that's like matte green, matte brown, and matte black. Oh, so okay. there's no, there's no gloss to it. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. Because well, unfortunately I mean, nature can- doesn't create things that are got long, straight black lines. So. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta, I gotta break up that outline a little bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, I gotta say, my my rifle is not, it's not going to be invisible. It's not going to be blending in. Um, yeah. But I'm okay with that. I've been trying to look into engravers and uh, other things like that to, to get it real, real fancy-like. You know, yeah. some nice scrolls on there, maybe some mountains up in there too, so. Uh, I gotta um, imagine in Colorado, there's gotta be an engraver somewhere, so. Well, I knew of one. Um, and I reached out to him, but I haven't heard back. But yeah, it's something that, it's something that is, I don't know, firearms are well-beloved in Colorado. Uh, yes. And that's why there was never a question that the firearm stores were not getting closed. Some of the gun ranges uh, closed or whatever, because they could, there was no way to do social distancing in them, I guess. But the gun shops were always essential. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> they knew that they were going to get away with that. Yeah, um, so there's no way you're gonna shut that down. And even if they did, I mean, now, now you got an don't entire. Coloradans have guns, man. Even <laughs> Democrats in Colorado have a lot of guns. Yeah, so. I mean, it's the same way down here in Louisiana. It's like even the Democrats that are—they're all armed. So it's really—I do think that it's really only those big cities where you have a lot of people who are just unarmed and just think that that would be the way to go. Is that everyone could just be unarmed too? Um, yeah they have this uh, this false idea that the police are like a minute away when there's trouble yeah it's like have you ever called 911 and had to wait like even in a big city to arrive because it takes a long ass time yeah and it's like and you can get out your cell phone and dial 911 you know when you're being stabbed or or beaten (laughs) yeah i don't know that's uh that's one of the things i or that's one of the arguments I try to make, especially with feminists who are anti-gun, is like, listen, if you have, like, some 250-pound dude trying to tackle you down, or trying to chase you down, there's no way a cop is going to be able to get there in time to protect you. Right. But if you fire fire a round at that guy, even if you miss, he probably won't be away. Yeah. You know? Because what's, like, is it worth dying to try to rape you? Like, probably not. So, um, they'll go find somebody else who's not going to ventilate him. So, right, or who's not going to fight back like that. So, yeah. um, 
yeah, but that, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those things again where I think that, like I said, this whole pandemic thing has almost intrinsically shown people um, the internal desire to like have a firearm because yeah. people, people were, I mean, obviously insane leftists thought that everyone started buying firearms because we were going to shoot the virus or something because they're yeah. absolute imbeciles. No, but, um, <laughs> you had 40 million people unemployed with nothing to do. Yeah, the real thing is like there's going to be unrest because yeah. people are, when people lose everything, they lose it. And, you know, there's going to be a massive unemployment, food shortages, maybe all, all kinds of stuff like that. And so people want to have firearms to protect their homes, to protect the resources they have, protect the food they might have. Um, it's not people intrinsically know that the way to actually protect that yourself from that kind of stuff is with your own firearms not with the government or with the police because they're not going to get there in time. And especially yeah. now people know that because the police in some of these jurisdictions said they weren't even going to arrest people for certain crimes like yeah. burglary or robbery. Or- yeah. We're just not going to devote any resources to that, but you know, God help if you've got a plant in your possession. I know we'll still, <laughs> we'll still kick in your door for that. Or <laughs> damn it. If you try to go to the beach. Yeah. Mom taking your kid to the park. How dare you? Yeah, right? Or did you try to sit in a restaurant? <laughs> or open a restaurant as a restaurateur? Yeah. You selfish POS. We're going to arrest you. Uh, I yeah, just... so if anybody wants a real <laughs> dose of reality, just go onto YouTube and look up uh, all, the vid- all the videos where it shows where somebody's EBT card was turned off. Oh my and then God. the little rampage that ensues after that. Well, that's the thing. The only reason why any of this has not completely turned into just an entire breakdown of society with rioting and looting. Yeah. It's because pe- the government's like sending people checks. Yeah. But as well, soon as that, as soon as there's either not anything to buy with those checks. Yeah. Cause or those stuff checks isn't being made. Worthless, yeah. Which one of those two things will happen. Uh, then yeah. it's really going to be a problem. The other thing is I don't think that they can keep, they'll be able to keep indefinitely sending out money to people. Uh, without there being other impacts in the market oh yeah uh they'll want to deal with but eventually like how much how many trillions of dollars have they printed since the lockdowns it's up to like 10 trillion isn't it like just out of thin air yeah they just added four trillion to the debt so yeah so i don't know (laughs) those are numbers we are not supposed to be adding it's like six trillion dollars of debt in one bill, followed by like multiple other bills that are like three trillion, four trillion, whatever. Yeah, so from the founding of the country to nineteen eighty one, that was a trillion dollars. <laughs> Didn't you know? And then since then it's <laughs> twenty one more on top of that since nineteen eighty one. Yeah, that's insane. And so and a bunch of those trillions were in the last two months. Right. <laughs> but no, Donald Trump's a physical uh, fiscal conservative. He's, oh, he's, he's, a, he's really a fiscally conservative guy. Yes. He cares and and very religious because part. there's video of him in a church. Yeah. Although I will say I'm proud of him for saying or for pointing out the hypocrisy of the fact that like a Target has like 100 people in it and a church can only have 10. I was like, um, okay, great. So just tell everybody look there's no federal restriction go out you know yeah 
But I don't believe for a second that Donald Trump is a religious man or a deeply Christian man. And I no, think that no, no, people no. are confused about that. <laughs> no, no, no. No, to, to Donald Trump, he is his own God. So Yeah, he, he serves himself. And that is clear. That is pretty um, much it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think that and this is this is part of the other reason too, though. Like he, the Donald Trump says stuff like that. He's like, "Oh, someone's kind of standing up for religious liberty." But the truth is that within Catholicism, at least, our our religious leaders aren't even standing up for it. Right. So because you got Frankie Wenlong over there in uh in the Vatican, yeah. He's basically just saying, yes, believe Dr. Fauci. Like, yeah. All right, guys. I, mean, I probably shouldn't be like on record calling the Pope a dick, but I do think <laughs> it's kind of a dick. Um, I also don't think that he's Catholic, like at all, probably. I don't know if you know some of these things, but he, he questioned whether or not Christ was divine. He's like, yeah, I don't know about that. It's like, you're the fucking Pope. Get a grip. It's like, not everyone has to be a Christian. Not everyone has to believe Christ is divine. But the Pope, the Pope definitely maybe should. should ascribe to that just a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so and this was just one last thing I was going to say is like the the reason why I'm worried about religious freedom is you know the Catholic Church actually fought for the mass many times in this country because during Prohibition, uh, you know, the wine was made illegal. Yeah. So part of the Eucharist was made illegal. And the Catholics were like, uh, we don't give a fuck. We're still going to do it. Like, it's part of our religion. It's religious freedom. And they got an exemption um, because they fought back. They fought the government back and got an exemption to have the mass and to have yeah. uh, wine at the masses. You know but who else now, got an exemption during, the, uh, <laughs> during Prohibition? <laughs> the Rockefellers, because they were making vodka down in Arkansas <laughs> for medicinal <laughs> purposes. <laughs> Well, I mean, clearly they were, it was essential. I mean, that, that vodka production was essential. You know, your little, just private distillery, your little baby one, you know, that's just dangerous. Yeah. Your bathtub (laughs) gin. How dare you? (laughs) Bathtub gin. Oh my God. (laughs) Well, I was thinking about it. It's like, this is like prohibition, but times like a thousand. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous bad. It's It's just nothing about this is going to be ended up being good. No, and I I think that um, first of all, I think that the Democratic states, or at least the swing states that went blue in 2018 with their governors or whatever, those states are going to go red, and oh, it's yeah. because it's because the Democratic leadership has annihilated the livelihoods of so many people, and it's just abundantly clear now. Like the Karens. The Caribs are not going to win this election, you know? <laughs> they're, they're actually not the majority. They're just loud and obnoxious, you know? Yeah, and the, uh, the working class people that live in those states, you know, mm-hmm. they all know. <laughs> Griffin, they all know. Whitmer, yeah. Well, seriously, it's like you have, these are service economies and you banned most services. So you made most people's jobs illegal and you can't, how, how are you going to, get someone's vote when you're literally telling them that not only can they not leave their house, but they can't do their job anymore. And yeah. if they try to do their job, they're selfish. Like if they want to be able to pay their bills, they're selfish. Yeah. And like, try to get guilt trip them. You're, you're trying to kill grandma. 
Yeah. yeah. And it was yeah. fatal for Hillary Clinton to insult the working class, in my opinion. I think that's what really did her in, was that she, she yeah. called them deplorables, you know, all of that. And, and that's what's happening right now. And trying to play uh, the popular vote game by only going after the, the big population centers. You know, yeah. when, you, when you forget about Ohio, Ohio doesn't forget about you. you know? <laughs> it's true. But the truth is, I mean, New York and L.A., you know, they're kind of special. But yeah. I do think that California, though, as a state, is not happy. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, you talk to some of the people out there in the Liberty Movement out in Los Angeles. And it was like, yeah, we know that there were out and about uh, Democratic Socialists of America out there, hand in hand, protesting the lockdowns with them. Yeah. You know, so. And when I went to the protest here, um, most of the people who were there weren't even like, I mean, yeah, there were some libertarians there, of course. Yeah, of we're, course. we're obviously yeah. pissed off, okay? But, <laughs> um, or we should be. Yeah. But a lot of the people who were there were just like, I haven't, like, I, either I'm a waitress, I'm a waiter, something like that. I'm a I mean, you don't even have, like, a, any kind of political affiliation. Yeah. They yeah. might have even been Democrats, but they're just saying, like, my job has been illegal for a month and a half. And I need to work. Like, I need to pay my bills. I need to feed my family. And um, I don't understand who this governor thinks he is to tell me that my job isn't essential. Like, making me making my, uh, like, making a living is essential. Like, yeah. me, me having a place to live and paying rent and paying my bills is essential. Um, and that's what my job provides me with, you know? So, um yeah, I didn't get the impression that most of the people who were at the protest were libertarians. And the thing in California, like they pissed off the surfers. They yeah. pissed off the one thing that you hippies. don't do is the beach bums. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they pissed off they pissed off the people who don't even care about voting or about politics because they just want to chill and have fun. It's like you <laughs> banned fun. And you can't do that uh, unless in Southern the California. fun is like video games or watching TV at home, you know, like unless the fun is inside your house, it's banned. So, yeah. um, and a lot of young people, working class people are just not going to go for this. Long-term. No, no, it's the, yeah, no two ways about it. This is going to be awful all, all the way around. I'm not sure what the, what the path out is, but I don't know. It's a fourth turning. So we'll, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hopefully we all survive um we'll see <laughs> some of us will make it out <laughs> some of us <laughs> but anyways i think that's probably a good place to to drop it off at uh do you have yeah. anything that you want to plug uh yeah um i'll plug my podcast at least um go for it i finally have uh my own url at youtube so you can go to youtube.com slash nina prevo um, and that is where I post my podcast. Um, I do video streams of it. I tried to do it weekly, but I've been really failing at that. It's more so like every other week. Um, I stream them on Thursday nights. Um, so check that out if you want to subscribe. I have a decent amount of podcasts on there already. I also have uh, my property manifesto segments, which are, um, if you want to know more about like a propertarian way of thinking about liberty, um, or the whole idea that all rights is property or property rights, excuse me. Um, I encourage you to listen to my property manifesto videos on my YouTube channel. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at violetruin76. That's where I do most of my tweeting. Um, I've exposed my real name now, so 
Yeah, my real name is Nina Prevo. Yourself. <laughs> yeah, I doxed myself. Uh, my real name is Nina Prevo, but um, my following really is at is for Violet Irwin. So, um, yeah. if you want to see my hot takes or my spiciness, uh, <laughs> it's at Violet Irwin seventy six. And um, you should also follow Eric too. He's he's amazing. I'm gonna plug you on your yeah. podcast. Oh, I consider myself thoroughly plugged. That sounds <laughs> awful, but I'll, I'll go with it. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you for having me on, too. I want to thank you um, for your audience. Uh, I made scheduling this incredibly difficult. Um, Eric. <laughs> yeah, she so definitely didn't so make much. it easy on me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for still having me on and your patience with me. It was a pleasure. Oh, no, it's it's okay. It's uh, As most things, life happens. You know, things happen, so... It's fine. Sometimes I'll sit here and just, uh, there was a couple other guests where I had scheduled them and I was like starting up the Zoom meeting and then it was like 10, 15 minutes later and I'm like sending more messages. I was like, uh, you doing this thing or can we reschedule for another time? But, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's, it's amazing how I still manage to have, uh, to still be busy and have no time when all of my activities are canceled. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's quite amazing. You know, even in the engineering world, like we're all deemed essential. And I was like, how are we still having deadlines? I don't, I don't understand this. I know the courts aren't even open, but I still have deadlines for filings. Like right. what? There's no trials happening, but I still have to, I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> Is there a clerk of court there to receive this paperwork? <laughs> it's like uh, one of the 10 that we normally imply is here or uh, employees here. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's about so, it. So, so, so. Have a good night, Eric. All right. You too, Nina. Have a great night. <laughs> You too. All right. right.